0: The power of our words. If you're listening for the first time or in this room for the first time, the first part of this can be found on March the 15th on Church of Harvest Facebook or the website Church of the Harvest. It was more about speaking life. Tonight we're going to talk about the troublesome tongue, so we invite you to listen to that first part. Tonight's title is Watch the Chatter. Someone say, Watch the Chatter. Words Really Matter. Speak life. Someone say speak life. Speak life. The verse underneath there from James 3 and 5. The tongue is a small thing, but oh, what enormous damage it can do. Anyone ever hurt anyone with your words or been hurt by your words? Underneath that, it says the troublesome tongue symptoms and cures, which we're going to get to. The power of life and death is in your tongue, Proverbs 18 and 21. Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose, says the Message Bible. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this Wednesday night class. We thank you for everyone in attendance and those listening by podcast. We pray, Holy Spirit, you would come and breathe life and say things that your servant doesn't even say tonight. Whisper into the ears of those listening. Let us be elevated to a higher calling and be so blessed by what you have said over us and what you are saying over us. We receive your help, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Did you know that a chameleon's tongue is twice the length of its body? Oh, just think if that was true of you. How fun would that be? Um, Or that the tongue of a blue whale weighs more than the average elephant. Wow. God's a pretty cool creator. And how about the fact that the human tongue is the strongest muscle in the human body? So go lift 500 pounds with your tongue later tonight. The power of the human tongue goes beyond its human strength, its physical strength. Words matter a great deal. Someone say, words matter a great deal. So does the name Antoine Yates ring a bell with anyone? Uh, Probably not. But a few years ago, he experienced his 15 minutes in the limelight. According to news reports, Mr. Yates had to be hospitalized because he had been attacked by his pet, a cat named Ming. Ming was a 400-pound Bengal-Siberian mixed tiger that Yates had raised from a cub in his New York City apartment. Come on, somebody. Have you ever seen a New York City apartment? They're the size of your closet. Come on. The man was living in a cramped New York apartment with a full-grown tiger. At this point, you're wondering about his sanity, but hold on and his sound judgment because there's another detail of this story I would like to share with you tonight. And that is when the police showed up at Mr. Yates' apartment to sedate and take away the tiger, they first had to contend with Mr. Yates' other pet, a five-foot-long alligator. There you go. (laughs) Come on and laugh. That's funny. (laughs) I'd say Mr. Yates needs someone else to pick out his pets for him. Can I get an amen? Some animals are easy to domesticate, like dogs. Others, like cats, are not. No, just kidding. Some can't be tamed at all. You'll probably never see anyone walking a trained scorpion on a leash. And I doubt you'll ever go to SeaWorld and see one of the wonderful biologists wearing a wetsuit on the back of a great white shark. Even the whales have fought back. Every living thing. Everyone say, every living thing. On the earth is nothing, is as wild and unpredictable and dangerous as the human tongue. It is not in our power to tame it. Give yourself a hand. Come on, give yourself a hand. Because that's the good news. You cannot tame your tongue, but the one who made it can tame it. And his name is God. James 3 and 7 says, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly tongue full of deadly poison. So it's impossible to tame the tongue. So why are we even talking about it tonight? Because I've already told you. Because God can. Look at your neighbor and say, God can. God wrote the owner's manual on the tongue, and he knows how to tame it. This is a powerful verse found in the book of Exodus, where Moses said to the Lord, Exodus 4 and 10, if you want to write reference on your paper. Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before you talked to me or since you talked to me now why is that important he said I was not eloquent I was not good of speech before you came in the burning bush before you called me to go back to Egypt why is that so important I think sometimes when we become believers we believe there's instant sanctification and there's not you didn't get saved one day and stop being angry by 6 p.m can't get an amen You didn't get saved one day, and the next day you were just, Hallelujah, the world is a blessing, and I'm going to bless everybody. You might have felt the joy, but there's a process. Someone say there's a process. There's a process to becoming like Christ. Can I get an amen? It's the same thing with your words. And Moses said, even before you spoke to me, which gives me great hope, it means before God called us, We may have not been something, and after he called us, we don't think we were much better at it. But there's a process to get us to where God wants us to be. Can I get an amen? And Holy Spirit will be with our mouth. The Bible says that life is in the power of the tongue. Can you say that? And what else is in the power of the tongue? Death. Everyone say, death is in the power of the tongue. But what we can do is submit to him. We're going to get into a lot of these symptoms and cures. It looks like a long worksheet, but it's divided up a little different because we submit our tongue to the Holy Spirit who's given to us to help us to tame the tongue. Who among us, I've already said, has been hurt before by the words of others? Three of us, the rest of you have lived a righteous life. God bless you. God bless you. You you non-humans, just beam them up, Scotty. The rest of us have been hurt by the words that we have spoken and have been spoken over us. But it's always best to understand that God gives life to the words. What is the value of a word? We can say a word doesn't matter. But Matthew 12 and 26 says, I say to you, Jesus Christ said this, for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it on the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. I don't know about you, but I wanna be justified by my words. Can I get an amen? So symptom number one, are you ready? Symptom number one is stirring up division. Your word is division. Stirring up division is a symptom that we do not want to have. The verse on your paper says in James 1 and 19, let every man be slow to wrath, be slow to speak, and quick to listen. Everyone say, slow to speak and quick to hear. But how many know it's usually in reverse, amen? Quick to speak and slow to hear. But James says, be slow, be slow to speak, be quick to hear. If you ever begin a conversation, this is stirring up division, a symptom of a troublesome tongue that says this, I probably shouldn't tell you this. What's the next word? Here I go. (laughs) It's almost always a conversation that should not happen. You've never done that. No one else. I'm speaking to those listening by podcast that live in Zimbabwe out there and are saying things they should not be saying. Um, But oftentimes if we say, I shouldn't be telling you this, but that's the nudge from the Holy Spirit. Stop right there. In fact, that's kind of a little moment that Holy Spirit has given you to say, think about what you're saying. Look at your neighbor and say, think about what you're saying. In fact, a verse that's later on your paper, but it fits into my teaching at this point, Psalms 39 and 1, David said, I will guard my ways lest I sin with my tongue. He said, I'm going to restrain myself with a muzzle. Think about it. What do you put on animals' mouths to keep them from biting other dogs? Muzzles. That's what we do. We can sin with our tongue. But David said, I so don't want to speak the wrong thing. And I don't think he literally went and got a muzzle. He was the king of Israel and hooked it up. But what he's saying is, I'm going to get the thought in my mind. I'm going to get the conviction in my heart. And I'm going to put the actions to it that I'm going to muzzle my mouth and think about what I'm going to say before I say it. We can sin with our tongue, but we can also hold our tongue. Can I get an amen? There's a verse reference on your paper from Proverbs 6 and 12. I want to read it to you. Are you ready? Okay. These are six things that the Lord hates. Are you ready? Six things. Murder, adultery, drugs, alcohol. Oh, wait, 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 wait. That doesn't say that. These are six things that the Lord hates, yet seven are an abomination to him. A proud look. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift to run to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and the last one hits where we're at right now, and one who sows discord among the brethren. Hate and abomination are incredibly tough words. They're hard words. It means detestable. God rarely says in Scripture something is detestable to him. This is so convicting to me. I pray it will be to you because there's liberty in what he allows us to get over. But that means, it says, uh, Proverbs 6 and 12, another verse, a worthless man with a perverse mouth winks with his eyes. He shuffles his feet. He points with his finger. Perversity is in his heart. He devises evil. He souls discord. There you go, and you think, okay, where are we going with this, God? And then he said, Therefore. His calamity shall come suddenly, and he shall be broken without remedy. Wow, look at your neighbor and say, ouch, ouch. There's a remedy, but the specific thing is for someone that sows discord among friends, among church family. Um, I hate to tell you this, but what it's saying is we are not to do that. Um, For instance, if I were to say um, to McKenna, You know, um, Bethany, and I I began to say things about Bethany that makes McKenna dislike Bethany. You know what Bethany's been saying about you. You know Bethany's been talking about you. When you come into church, Bethany says this. What I do is I separate two sisters in the Lord. I bring my words into the middle. I can do it with two brothers as well. I can say to Brother Dean, you know, um, Joel, he has said this about you. I mean, I shouldn't tell you this, Dean. But which he's not, I wouldn't be saying this if he had, but Joel has said this, and Joel, I'm separating. What God is saying, woe to those who separate, marriage spouses, friends, church family. When you get ready to, you think, is this going to make McKenna hate Bethany? Then I don't need to say it. If this is going to hate, this is going to make Misty dislike um, uh, Dottie, then I don't need to say it. Then I need to just keep it to myself. Look at your neighbor and say, "Keep it to yourself." In fact, Titus three and nine says, "Avoid foolish disputes, genealogy, contentions, and strivings, for they un- are unprofitable and useless." Reject a divisive, ma- devi- divisive. I'll get this. Divisive, divisive man or woman. Reject them if they're sowing, if they're sowing division. Let me read this to you because it's pretty tough satan is so insidiously stealthy stealthy means like a lot of our military planes they're stealth means they fly under the radar the enemy flies under the radar about the sins of the mouth that he's actually convinced us at different times that we're doing good by bringing things up that we shouldn't be bringing up somehow we are god's truth or fiction.com you know what i mean and that we are guardians of the truth. And we begin to say, I just thought you need to know. Let me tell you this. The Baptist preacher A.B. Simpson said, I would rather play with fort lightning or take in my hand living wires with fiery curtain current than to speak, a, to speak a reckless word against any servant of Christ. What he's saying is, I'd rather grab lightning that can kill someone. The great Smith Wigglesworth, you ever heard about him? A great man of God who spoke to things to poison to die I mean, just miracles can't go into all that but Lester Summerall was a young Timothy underneath Smith Wigglesworth and when he would go to his door and when he knocked on his door and Smith opened the door if he saw a newspaper he would take it and throw it down and say don't enter into this house with that and then fill in the blank And then, if Lester began to speak any negative against any brother or sister in the Lord, sometimes we use it, touch not my anointed. All God's children are God's children. Can I get an amen? He would take Lester, who was a pretty small but big dude, and throw him down and begin to scream, God have mercy on his everlasting soul. That's how he guarded being a peacemaker than a troublemaker. Say, I need to be a peacemaker instead of a troublemaker and be sure that you don't separate not only um people at your workplace well that's okay i'm at my workplace they're all a bunch of heathens and if if i make half of them hate the other half no god loves mankind he does not want us to use our mouth to separate people from one another um we'll continue going but i want to tell you the cure number one the next thing encouragement is to inspire another with courage courage so instead of me using my words to divide people I'm to inspire them with courage the fast that the Lord's called me to this year is from Isaiah 58 don't have time to read it all because I always have too much material but it talks about that God will be your rear guard that God will make your dry places with a spring that salvation will come upon you that he will remove the yoke of oppression if you feed the hungry if you put clothes on those that don't have any and if you stop with the pointing of your finger against other people. I don't know, but sometimes just this year, since the Lord called me that fast, first of January, I'll think about something, I just like, I can just hear God say, what do you want in your life? I want rivers in a dry place. Can I get an amen? I want the oppressed to go free. I want to see the prodigals come home. I want to see the chains that are upon people be released in the power and the glory of Jesus Christ. And if it means I remove my pointing a finger and spreading vicious rumors, I want to do that. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise and let him know you're on that too. So we've talked about encouragement quite a bit. I'm just going to pass by this pretty fast. Mark Twain said, I can live for two months on one compliment. The great Mark Twain, the great author. How did you feel the last time someone encouraged you? How did you feel the last time someone says, even with our children, when one of our sons, I don't have a son, but if I did, if he took duct tape and strapped his brother to the top of the car, Then what I would want to say to him is, you are such a great boy. I don't understand why you've duct taped your brother to the top of the car. But this I know that you're born for greatness. Let's get him off and don't do it again. We encourage when we say, even in correction, I see a better way for you. Listen, God never reminds us of our smallness. Can I get an amen? In fact, there's a verse, Proverbs 20 and 5, if you want to write it down in your paper. A plan in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding draws it out. That means I encourage Todd Haggard. We'll drop all titles for the sake of it. You encourage Rhonda Davis. I encourage him and I draw out the understanding that's in him. He can't even figure it out. I draw it out by encouraging him and complimenting. God never reminds us of our smallness. He said to Gideon, oh, you mighty men of valor, when he was acting like an absolute scaredy cat he he called the disciples salt when they were so far from salt it wasn't funny he called them light when they looked so far from light god always elevates us to the high calling that's in christ jesus when you put others down you make them smaller than the devil they fight What we need to do is lift each other up till we believe I can do that. I've got God with me. I'm going to encourage my brothers and sisters. Can you say amen? Symptom number two, dishing the dirt, dishing the dirt, dishing the dirt. I will say it again, dishing the dirt. Underneath that, it says the mouth should have three gatekeepers. Is it true? Is it kind? And is it necessary? now listen you say well it's true okay so it's true at least you think it's true you don't really know we'll get to that in just a moment hang in there look at your neighbor and say you're okay you're good you're good y'all feel like you're getting a root canal don't you that's okay that's okay i'll make you happy another service as the writers have chosen said we don't give the audience what they want we give them what they need i watched their editorial perspective and thought that was fantastic but is it true even if it's true the second level is is it kind so so maybe it's true and it's kind but is it necessary as we've studied some things are just necessary they're not necessary to be said we don't have to say it we don't have to dish the dirt as jimmy evans said every time i raise the standard of my words my life gets better around the time of the first world war morgan blake a sports writer for the atlanta journal newspaper wrote Listen to my description, I'm describing a thing. I am more deadly than the screaming shell from the howitzer. I win without killing. I tear down homes, broken hearts, and wreck lives. I travel on the wings of the wind. No innocent is strong enough to intimidate me. No purity pure enough to daunt me. I have no regard for truth, no respect for justice, no mercy for the defenseless. My victims are as numerous as the sands of the seashore and often as innocent. I never forget, and I seldom forgive, my name is Gossip. A gossip is a person who habitually spreads intimate or private rumors or facts about someone else, and I use the word facts lightly. Everyone say facts. Don't say flax, say facts. Some people claim that if it's not gossip, that it's truth. You're deceiving yourself. Perry Stone and I were talking the other day, and he said, there's only two people that can uh, keep a confidence. We were just kidding. It wasn't true. He said, and one of them has to be dead. Anyway, moving on. Um, truth or not, if it's gossip, it's private or intimate in matter. From God's viewpoint, Proverbs 20:19 says, A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid a man or woman who talk too much. Let me go on. Proverbs 16 and 28. Y'all need some anesthesia out there? Uh, a troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. I'm sure you've been in a situation where gossip separated you from someone that you love. Paul said to the Corinthian church, and listen as I read to you, for I'm afraid that when I come and visit you, I won't like what I find. And then you just pause and think, what's Paul worried he's going to find in the church? Man, it's going to be something big. He said, I'm afraid I'm going to find quarreling and jealousy and anger and selfishness and backstabbing and gossip and conceit. Gossip is not a new problem, but gossip will separate the dearest and best of friends. So here we go. Are you ready? So before you say, I'm going to tell you this so you can pray about it, rationalization, before you tell your juicy story, or before I tell my juicy story, ask ourselves, Am I already praying about it? Then be gut level honest with God in your answer. If you haven't spent time on your knees in intercession over the situation, you and I are just gossiping, and it's wrong. Are you burned about it? Does it break your heart? Are you lifting the situation to the throne of grace? Have you talked to God more about it than others? If you're still not sure if you're tempted to gossip, ask yourself, do I get excited when someone says, have you heard? Is that like something that Paul that, that, that throws me in or draws me in? I think something one of my elders said years ago, the way to stop that is when someone says, I'm just telling you this so you can pray about it say oh don't even tell me let's grab hands right now let's move into intercession let's stand here and pray for about 30 minutes about this thing you're going to tell me about and you don't tell me and we'll just pray i'm going to tell you if a person's intent is wrong it's going to stop them someone say amen it's going to stop them slander is a false and malicious statement that is i couldn't have asked for a better side thank you so much it's like superman if you're listening to my podcast, we just had the Superman thing, which was very appropriate. Star Wars, sorry. It sounded like Superman to me, but anyway, it's all good. Slander is a false and malicious statement a report about someone. You may think, well, I would never do that. But let me tell you what Proverbs 140 says. Let not a slander be established in the earth. Let evil hunt the violent man to overthrow him. Proverbs 10 and 18, whoever spreads slander is a fool. The former president of Moody Bible said, There's only one thing as difficult as unscrambling an egg, and that's unscrambling a rumor. So cure number two, speak of the God-given potential of others. Don't remind them of their past. Past is your word. Instead of me spreading what used to be in your life, I'm not going to bring up your past. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, are you awake out there? Let me try this again. Come on, class, you're smarter than that. If any man be in Christ, he is a... And what's the rest of it? Old things are passed away. Let's say it again. Old things are passed away, and all things become new. Give yourself a hand. That was wonderful. Put your hands together. What that saying is that, as I mentioned Sunday morning, woe be to anyone that pulls something underneath the blood of Jesus. If the blood of Jesus has covered my past sins, you're not to bring them up. If the blood of Jesus has covered your past sins, I'm not to bring it, we may bring them up for context of testimony or context of witnessing, but not to use someone's past against them. There's a verse that speaks about the coming of Christ, and it says, prepare the way for the king. I want you to say that. Prepare the way for the king. And it talks about every valley shall be lowered, every mountain shall be exalted. What does that mean? It means make the way. Sometimes we've gotta give God something to work with when we're dealing with other people. We've gotta think positive things. We've gotta say positive things. We've gotta prepare the way of the Lord. That prodigal that's doing everything opposite that you want them to do, begin to speak the good things of God. Symptom number three, breaking confidences. Breaking confidences. Breaking confidence whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from trouble sometimes you can discover things and you feel like you know what i just want to tell one person but you tell one person someone asked you not to tell something now unless that's a suicidal situation what do we do in that moment we say i'm giving you 24 hours to go to a pastor or leader if there's a situation someone's going to take them out you give them 24 hours But sometimes we feel like, I'm just going to tell this person, but then that person tells someone they trust. The Bible says the words of a whisper are like dainty morsels. They go down into the innermost parts of the body. That is saying we are not to break a confidence, that sometimes we get so enamored with something and that we're so uh, built upon it, we want to use it. My daddy used to tell struggling young ministers, Go see a Catholic priest. By law, they can't tell a soul. And those people would go and We're not talking about immoral. I'm not maybe immoral. We're not talking about illegal, but things because they didn't know who they could trust. The body of Christ ought to be the kind of place, and this church should be, that you can talk when you're not okay to say, I'm not okay. Can I get an amen? So, what's the cure for that? Bridle the tongue for pausing, by pausing, that's your word, for a moment. Pausing for a moment, the verse underneath that from Psalms one forty one three says, "Set a guard." I want you to say that. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. And the, the verse I already gave you is right there. So, if I told you last week, if you go out, or two weeks ago, if you go out in there to the Wild West and you see them put a bit in the uh, mouth of a wild Mustang, it's not going to be happy about it. At first, it's going to fight it. It's kind of that way when we allow God to help us. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. When God comes in to say, don't say that, you're not going to like it. When you feel that wisdom, say, don't say that. Think about what you're saying. One of the ways you can do that, I want you to repeat after me because it's really easy and it's simple and it's good. Say, hold on there just a minute. Hold on. There just a minute. It means just pause for a minute until you say something. Just pause. Just pause. Sometimes we think the world is going to stop if we don't stop speaking, that the world will not orbit if we don't, if we stop speaking. When I was studying to be a counselor, you sometimes would sit with someone and you would have to sit until they said something. It's, it's terrible. My brother-in-law did it on video. I still have it when he was studying for his PhD. And he sat there for an hour with someone. And the rule was in training, you couldn't say something, but they said something. You know how hard that is? But sometimes we would do better to just simply pause. Look at your neighbor and say, simply pause. To just take a moment and say, you know what? I don't have to say anything. Proverbs 21 and 23 says, whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from trouble what a promise that's a verse to memorize if i can keep my mouth everyone say if i can keep my mouth there's safety proverbs 10 and 19 states in the multitudes of words sin is not lacking it means in the multitude of words when there's a lot of talk somewhere in there there's going to get a sin i may sin against myself i may sin against someone else Um, The Bible also says, He who has knowledge spares his word, and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. Even a fool, I want you to say, even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. Um, I don't know if your parent ever told you, if you just be quiet for a while, people might not think you're such a fool. Or if you just be quiet a while, then people might think you're somebody. And the real test is when someone is telling you something, McKenna, so intense, and then they ask you a question, and you have no idea what they just said. Can I get an amen? You have no idea because you were thinking about what you were going to say. You were thinking about, Leo Bascalo says that most conversations are just uh, monologues going back and forth instead of listening. The Bible wants us to listen to people. One thing I would tell you about my son-in-law, he listens to people. Give Michael a hand. He listens to people. He will listen to you, and people want to talk to him and talk to him and talk to him. Dr. Robert Fisher was in San Francisco when he was a young teenager. You don't know him. He's gone to heaven. He's a dear family friend, a theologian. And he was in San Francisco, Christiane, and he was wanting to hitchhike back when it was safe to do that to san diego the very tip of california and somebody picked him up and the guy just started talking and dr fisher was already uh, training to be in seminary and he just kept listening to the guy and he kept listening to the guy and the guy got to the next city he got to fresno and he kept listening because i'll drive you on to bakersfield And he kept listening. Us that know California know how this goes. And he kept listening. He got down to Anaheim, got to Los Angeles, and he kept just listening. He said, you know what? I'm just going to take you all the way to San Diego. The world is looking for people that will listen to them. When we say, how are you doing? And we pause to see, how are you really doing? Are you okay? That's one thing I loved about my husband. He would ask someone how they're doing and he'd just stand there. No, really, how are you doing? And, you know, we're so used to, fine, how are you god is looking for listeners let's pause and give that some thought symptom number four speaking you're going to love this curses speaking curses is a symptom of a deadly tongue speaking curses the verb cursing has come to mean so much um, in our languages it's, it's come to mean profane language but in bible days it, i mean to us it's like if i drop a bowling ball on my foot and i say a chinese word right that's cussing. One of my minister friends calls it Chinese word. I'm not going to tell you which one calls it that. Chinese word. But this is what it says. It's a broader, significant meaning in the Bible. Romans 3 and 13. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues, they have practiced deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. This is Paul's description of what he calls cursing. Throats that are an open tomb. In other words, they're filled with death and decay. They speak curses over themselves. I'm nothing. I'm no good. I never will be. I knew mama said, I will, I'll, I'll never go beyond this. Tongues that have practiced deceit. In other words, they're skilled in lying. Lips with poise. In other words, they're like concealing snake venom until they speak, which happens with all of us. Mouths that are filled with cursing and bitterness. Cartoons have made a lot of fun out of old gypsy women, you know, doing tribal curses. Of course, we've got a little bit more livelier than that in just modern television. But Jesus understood the power of cursing so much when he saw that fig tree and he cursed it because there was no fruit. When they came back the next day, the disciples were shocked. The tree had withered to the ground. And this is what Jesus said. It, uh, Peter said, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you have cursed is withered. Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for I say to you, whatsoever you say to this mountain someone say this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in their heart but believes it shall come to pass you have the power of blessing in your mouth we should not be cursing ourselves. we should not be cursing our house what you curse on or what on your paper the problem with cursing your surroundings is that like anything else you curse it becomes a focus You focus on what around you and diminish your ability to focus on what is before you. Instead of cursing your surroundings, celebrate your faithfulness in spite of them. I hate this job, but I thank God I'm faithful in this job. Can I get an amen? I hate the things that are wrong with my house, but I thank God I have a house. Can I get an amen? This car doesn't look like the other cars. It may be old. It may be without Bluetooth, which mine is, which the police always ask me, why don't you have Bluetooth? I'm not going to say why the police and I are talking about my car. But that's another story. But why don't you have Bluetooth? That was an old car. What well, does it look like an old car? Well, sir, it is. It's a 2007. Oh, oh, that makes sense. But I have to bless the vehicle that I have because what you bless will be blessed by God. And what you curse will be cursed by God. This marriage is never going to get better. My wife will never stop doing this. My husband is lazy. This and that. And what I'm doing is I'm damning. For, I'm, not speak, I'm not cussing. I'm using the word damnation that the Bible uses, which means to describe, hold on, the horrific state of someone being assigned to eternal punishment and separation from God. So when I say, you leg, sometimes my knee will give me time. i say, oh, you and then I'll just stop myself. I bless you, knee. I bless you, knee, that you will uphold this body till the day Jesus calls me home. I bless you hand. You may hurt sometimes my elbow. I have some symptoms of some little things that I deal with, especially the way I use to write and type. But I'll say, you are blessed hand. You are blessed of the Most High God. That checkbook that is down to what you don't want it to be, you can curse and say, I never have any money. I never have anything. Or you can say, I thank you, God, that what I have is more than enough. And I thank you, God, that you are increasing it. And you are changing it. And you are reversing it. Come on, give him praise because that is good. You're right to give him praise for that. Why would we curse our house? Why would we curse another person? He'll never get it. He'll never get it. Um, someone recently, maybe Todd, someone recently referred to my mother. It wasn't about tithing that she said, but she would say, if everyone got sick at school, you're not going to get it. And usually I didn't get it. And she wasn't a word of faith person. She was just believed in the positive word. Even now, if my, my dad still says it, my mom would if she was here. I would say, I don't know how I'm going to get this. They'll say, you're going to get through this. God's going to help you. This is going to pass. We've got to speak blessings, blessings to the work that we do, blessings to our finances. I'll never meet anybody. I've had 17,000 bad relationships. Wow. But anyway, I've had a lot of bad relationships. I'll never find anybody right for me. You are cursing your potential. Or you can say, yep, I've had some 17,000 bad relationships, but the right one just hasn't come along yet you know you can just shift it the power of life and death is in the tongue that doesn't mean i get crazy and say this white car is going to turn into a pink cadillac this white car is going to turn into i mean not want a pink cadillac but i've known some people like that but it means i use and you use your words to say thank you god for the food that i eat i want a steak tonight I'm eating bologna and bread, but somewhere in Zimbabwe, my favorite country to have pick on, is eating dirt. And I thank you, God, that you've given me more than enough. I bless you, Father, for this meal. I bless you for what I have. I bless you for the shelter. I will not curse my job, and I will not curse myself who is made in the image of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. You can praise him. Because when you speak negative over yourself, one of the things I do, bef- I'm not even going to tell you that. If I was training preachers, I would. It doesn't matter. There's certain things I say before I leave, and I know it will be blessed because I've learned to speak what God speaks. And every time we spew out curses, the Bible says um, in Psalms 109, 17, this is a tough one. It's tough for me to even read it because we think, oh, great. I don't say the D word or the F word or the P word or the Q word. I don't know what those are, but I'm sure they're out there. I don't say this or that, but this is what the Bible refers to cursing. is when you speak and you curse what God has given you. You curse yourself. You curse, curse your future. You curse your children. You curse your talents and your gifts. If I ever get down about my talents and gifts, which is extremely often, I'm very honest about that, the Lord will say, begin to bless the gift that I gave you. I gave you that gift. Do not curse that gift bless that gift the talent that you have the way that you serve you are to bless this is what the bible says as he loved cursing so let it come to him as i love to curse the things it's going to come to me he did not delight in blessing so it's going to be far from him he didn't bless what i had given him he didn't bless that home that i've given him He didn't bless this, he didn't bless that. There's no religious steps to this. It's just simply saying, thank you, God, I'm grateful for what you've given me. As he clothed himself with cursing as with a garment, so let it enter his body like water and oil into his bones. Look at your neighbor and say, bless what God has given you. Look at him and say, bless what God has given you. You cannot remain clean if you're always handling mud. Cure number four is speak blessings speak blessings i'll go by this fast because we're going to end and i'm moving fast as i can these are a lot of symptoms and cure speak blessing bless those that persecute you bless your enemies john paul jackson taught my dear friend joni to bless her property whenever i'm there we walk her property we bless it it's something i've learned to do over my property we bless it we bless the creatures that inhabit it you know the squirrels and the toads and the snakes and the livers anyway um the bible says let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works Exhort one another to bless. Practice, someone say practice, reverse, gossip. That means talk good behind other people's back. Uh, Symptom number five, habitually speaking strife. Habitually speaking strife. Habitually speaking strife. That means you're bellicose. Look at your neighbor and say, are you bellicose? That means that you feel like you always have to have the last word, that you have to attend every argument that you hear come around you. I know that's not some of you so here's some of the words um argumentative combative it means I, I i had someone that i used to work with at a place i will not tell you where i worked and who i worked with but if someone said they had an idea this gentleman would say i had that idea at 450 and someone said well i had that idea at three well i had it at 215 i was wrong well i had that i'm here just thinking I, i'm gonna just lie you know that just makes you want to lie I had that idea 17 years ago before you were even born. I mean, that kind of strife and know-it-all, can I get a witness, agitates people. The Bible says in Proverbs 21 and 9, it is better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than a house shared with a contentious woman. And for you men, I was hoping someone would say yes, thank you proverbs 26 and 21 as charcoal is to burning coals and wood to fire so is a contentious man to kindle strife okay <laughs> it's like a spark of fire that starts you've seen the fires in gatlinburg and yellowstone that started from just a little spark that's what contentious words go you know sometimes it's okay just to let somebody think they know it all one time passing around with somebody that attended this church a very long time ago, a woman. And honestly, sometimes he'd bring up, you know, the, he'd bring up things he thought, there's no way she knows about this. And somehow she'd come off with something. I mean, I can't remember one thing. I thought, how did he even think of that? And we weren't being mean. It's just like we were just trying to find something she had not written the book on. Can I get an amen? Sometimes my mama told me, and a word of God tells me, it's okay to let somebody think they know more than you. It's okay. What you know is with you cure number five be aware of your weak points and stay covered um that's i want to just go very fast by because this we dealt with last two weeks ago be careful not to parrot the enemy's declaration over others like job's wife did be careful you're not saying what the devil is saying over someone she repeated exactly what satan said before the throne when you go into a situation know your weak points if certain things trigger you i know a man of god that was a friend of ours and he had a bad habit of hanging up with people on the phone He'd get mad. he just click. And so we suggested to him, why don't you do this? Just go either this. <laughs> We're breaking up. You're breaking up. I've got to go. Or just say, I'm getting another call. Sometimes you just got to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. If you know going into a family reunion, you're going to cut somebody's head off, say to the Lord, be with my mouth. Look at your neighbor and say, may God be with your mouth symptom six is spreading pessimism pessimism did i already say that spreading pessimism did i miss something okay okay so um unbelief is contagious hang with me we're going to sail to the end i want you to say unbelief say unbelief is contagious faith is so contagious You hang around somebody with faith, you have a conversation with them, and you just leave like, I I can conquer the world. I feel like I can conquer the world. But there's some people you leave their presence, and this is for me to change and you to change, and their unbelief is so strong, you feel like I have no hope. And sometimes I've counseled with people that said, I've gotta be positive, everybody around me is so, I've gotta be negative, everybody around me is so positive, they're like living in a dream. We are children of the Most High God, there's no reason to be negative, there's no reason to deny facts, but there's absolutely no reason to do that we are like the spies that went into the promised land we're giving glimpse every day of new dimensions belinda that jesus won on the cross and there's a voice in our head that says you were created to experience that and you will but then the second voice of unbelief says it won't work for you it won't work for you it won't, it'll work for everybody else but it won't work for you that's what a mind of unbelief says, but God says it will work for you. We have to get to a point where we realize I'm going to either make myself miserable or make myself strong. Someone say, I can make myself miserable or make myself strong. And so cure number six, say what God says about you, your loved ones and your situation. That's kind of where we were, and I'm going to gonna pick you up a little bit um, after these so, all of these symptoms, you think, my God, I had number six, I had number four, I had number three, I had number two. I've got every symptom that's been mentioned here tonight. I don't need to live. Dooms, dooms. Doomsday is on me. Look at your neighbor and say, Doomsday. But it's not because God gives us the ability. Nobody gets it perfect, but sometimes you have to know the symptoms of what you do. I don't know if your parents or a mentor ever said, you know what? You really need to change this. That's a hard conversation. I've had hundreds of those with parishioners in 32 years. You really need to change this as their pastor. This is out of line. It's tough. I'm just bold enough in God to do it because I had it done to myself. To where the Lord said, Rhonda, you need to change this. Rhonda, there's so many different ways that you can change this. One of the things we can change that is to confess what God says about us, what God says about your loved ones, and what God says about your situation. Things catch, unbelief catches, it catches on. Spirit of heaviness enters into people's mind and the depressed meet with the depressed and they begin to talk about how depressed they are. And they need someone to come in there and say, you know what, there's hope for this. You're gonna get through this. I know it seems overwhelming today. The, new, the word in the New Testament for confession is homologia and it means to say the same thing. I want you to say, say the same thing. Here's what biblical confession is. It's saying no more than what the Word says. I don't have to make anything up. The Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. Let the sick say, I am healed. Let those that feel defeated say, I am victorious. Let those that feel pushed back against the wall say, I know God's got this situation. When I speak the Word of God into any situation out of this troublesome tongue, That soul needs healing, just like everyone in this room. I speak the word of God as if he's saying it himself. Can you say amen? Write down Hebrews 3 on your paper. I'm going to give you that uh, closing thing in just a moment. So, Hebrews 3. Jesus is the high priest. I want you to say, Jesus is the high priest of my confession. That's what the Bible says. I want you to say it again. Jesus is the high priest. Of my confession which means if Jesus is the high priest of my confession I need to say the same thing the word says Matthew 7 says by our words we are justified or condemned we are not to settle for our destiny and we're not to say anything that we would not want Jesus to make happen because he's the high priest of our confession so I don't need to say anything that I don't want Jesus. now let me pause right here That does not mean i can't say pastor rhonda i just feel like i'm about to give up um or you say to someone i'm so depressed i'm so overcome but it means at the same time you add a thing in there that says but i know god's got me it's on the lower part of your paper i'll go ahead and say faith is expressed by saying yes i have a problem but god is going to help me to overcome it i'm trusting god i'm believing his promises it means that jesus is the high priest of my confession. So I'm going to say that my children that are away from the Lord are coming home in his name. Can I get an amen? That I'm going to say that this restriction in my physical body that the Lord is going to heal that I can say this financial challenge the Lord is going to take care of. I can say that God does have good plans for a hope and a future. Today, I don't see it. It's dark. I can't figure out the next day. Anybody tracking with me? I can't figure out the next week. But I know one thing. I know who holds the future. So my confession is going to line up with Jesus Christ. And I want to say this to you. Be careful you don't use your tongue to criticize yourself. There's enough criticism out in the world. Can I get an amen? There's enough people to tell you how you should be doing it different. People at work, people in your family, people telling you how this should be and that be. Don't criticize yourself. Stop yourself. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 and 10, we are his workmanship. We are his masterpiece is another translation. When I curse myself, last week or two weeks ago I showed you the Example, I won't redo because it was hilarious. We had a lot of fun with it. But we praise you, Jesus. I magnify your name. You idiot. The Bible says blessings and cursing ought not to come out of the same mouth. Oh, glorify his name. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my... I hate myself. I hate myself. Kind of a crazy thing, but we've all done it. Out of the same mouth, James said, we praise God and we curse those made in His image. You were made in His image, I'm made in His image. I'm not to curse you, you're not to curse me, but we've got to be careful not to curse ourselves. It's dangerously, let me say this, presumptuous to criticize the workmanship of God. When God created the world, we're going to prepare to place something for you as a closing, and I'll give you that word. When God created the world, He spoke and the world came into existence. But the Holy Spirit, I want you to say the Holy Spirit, had to have something to work with. So when God said light, the Holy Spirit was hovering over the world, and he brought the light out. And then God said, let there be the heavens separate from the earth. And the Holy Spirit used the words of God to separate it. We have to give the Holy Spirit words to work with. And say, I know that I believe that God is going to get me through this. I know that Christ is going to bless me. I'm not going to curse myself. I'm not going to curse my physical body. I'm not going to curse my looks, which women, we do a lot. I'm not going to wish I looked like this or I looked like that. I'm not going to wish I was younger and cuter. I'm not going to wish I was older and wiser. I'm not going to curse this masterpiece. When God spoke the world into assistance, he said it. It is good. And he created you with the same blessing that says you are blessed in the city. You are blessed in the country. You are blessed when you lay down. You are blessed when you rise up. It's time for you to use your words to say, I thank you, God, that I am blessed. I thank you that everything I need you've given me. I thank you that everything my home that you've given it. I thank you that I'm well equipped and able to perform everything you've called me to do. There's not one thing that's going to come. Come into my life this week that you, oh God, cannot handle. There is not one thing I'm going to be called to do that you cannot equip me. I am blessed. I am blessed. I am blessed. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise and begin to say it. I challenge you. I challenge you to try blessing everything in your life. That word, I'm going to ask you to fill it in, and I'm going to ask you to put your pen down and not do anything else because I want to play something for you as a benediction. But I don't want you to shuffle papers, put things up. We're good. We're done. We're good. Your last blank. Words of unbelief are dangerous. They go against the very essence of what it means to live as a child of God. Words of unbelief. It doesn't mean that you deny the situation. But it means that what you're saying is, God, I'm believing you're going to get me through. Because unbelief is something, even Jesus said, I could not do any miracles because of their unbelief. Which is a scary, scary point. John Bevere taught us so much on that. I don't want to let my unbelief keep God from doing through my life what he wants to do. Can I get an amen? I don't want to let my unbelief and my propensity to judge myself or to curse myself, and I'm speaking for you so you can speak it later, get in the way of God doing everything that he wants to do. What does Ephesians 3.20 says? To him that's able to do all that he could do. So there's a blessing, and we're going to play it for you in just a moment. I'm going to have you close your eyes. It's one actually we play at the Esther Project. Some of you sisters will remember it. But there's a blessing in number six that's so powerful. We say it, at the benediction, but it's not really a benediction. It's a word from the Lord. And he told Moses, bless my people with this special blessing. Say to them, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious on you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you peace. And he goes on to say, because we've heard all these troublesome tongues, like, "Oh, oh, God can never use me. Well, God used Moses with that great let my people go speech. And he said, my words are terrible. No matter how many symptoms of an ungodly tongue I have, God can help me to get over it. Can I get an amen? No matter how many things, the cures I gave you, those are great But the best cure is saying, just Holy Spirit, let the words of my mouth, let the meditation of my heart be acceptable. Sometimes when someone's talking and that thing in me just wants to, Holy Spirit says, just pause, pause, pause. And you say, well, I don't hear him say pause to me. When you feel the pause, go with it because he will change it. Because what God said to Moses, whenever you bless the people in my name, I myself will bless them the lord blessed creation and he blesses you tonight he blessed you with what we perceive to be his mouth he said it through moses and he blesses every one of us in this room tonight that's the cure i'm gonna have you do something i am going to have you stand and i'm gonna i'm gonna pray over you but if you'll stand everywhere you are and put your um hand on your heart if you feel like it this is a um hebrew blessing that we do at esther it's about 56 seconds It starts off in Aramaic and then it goes on into English but I want you to receive this from the Lord with just eyes closed I want you to hear not this gentleman but I want you to hear God before we started I want you to hear God bless you tonight I want you to know that God speaks blessings over you that God speaks courage over you that God speaks health over you with God's word from Genesis to Revelation he speaks life and life and life He never belittles you. He gives you hope on every other page. He calls you what you can be, not what you are. He blesses what he's given you to be more than enough. He blessed you with talent. He blessed you with gifts. He's blessed you with a future. He's blessed you with hope. He will bless you with provision, and he will bless you with peace and joy. He will bless everything you put your hands to. The God of creation that spoke the world into existence in this moment wants to remind you, I bless you, sons and daughters. I bless you, and I will keep you. And it is his words we want you to hear. Just receive this as we play it, and then I'll pray over you. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we stand here in this moment, we thank you for the words that you speak over us. Lord, I sense by your Holy Spirit, there's many in this room that have not only spoken things over themselves, but they've had words spoken over them that have been tough to deal with. Lord, I thank you that you replace any words that people have spoken over us with your words. Lord, these troublesome tongue symptoms that your word is so clear about, there's no black and white. You're straightforward that you want us to ask you to help us to cure these. Lord, you wouldn't give us the symptom, you wouldn't give the problem if there were not a cure. So I pray you will be with our mouth as you were with Moses and that we would speak life over ourselves. Forgive us tonight, Lord. Would you forgive Rhonda if I have in any way cursed myself, my talents, my gifts, my future? Would you forgive my brothers and sisters if they too have in any way spoken negatively over their existence? Because we do, we're humans and you know that. Tonight, we ask you to be with our mouth, that we would not only bless what you've given us, but we would take these cures and we would just say, Holy Spirit, help us to use our mouth for spreading hope and encouragement and blessings. And when we fail, because we will, we will fail. We are human. Help us to pick ourselves back up. But Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room that they would realize the greatness you have in store for them and that they would hold on to that, Lord, and speak blessings over everything. And Father, so for the next week, I challenge them in your presence, Abba, to speak blessings over everything in their house, everything they have, and that they would fast negativity over others and over their self. I'm calling us to a seven-day fast. No speaking negative over people or ourselves or over things, but being thankful and blessing everything you've given us. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Let's